And welcome to Behind the DM Screen, the semi-sort of monthly podcast produced by The Tome Show, in which three DMs sit down and talk about their campaigns and help each other out. And I am Sam Dillon, and I'm here with Mike Shea. Say hi Hello. And Hello, Mike Shea. We're going to put ten minutes on the clock, and then Jeff is going to go first. Ready? And the timer has started now. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, hello there. As as you know, um, I'm running Horde of the Dragon Wait. Queen. Wait a minute. Wait That's a minute. not Jeff. Wait. What? What? It's what? not Jeff. It's not Jeff? What? Not Jeff. Where's Jeff? What? what have you done with Jeff? That's right. Well, I have tied Jeff up and put him in the player's chair. Oh, hey, well, that's better than feeding him to Tiamat. That's what we did to <laughs> Anna Walker on the news desk, you know. Uh. So, uh, for those listeners who didn't catch that little joke, here's what happened. Jeff has indeed become a player in a campaign run by our friend Andy Meyer. Say hello, Andy. Hello, everybody. And so Andy is going to take Jeff's seat at the Behind the DM screen table uh, until his campaign ends and Jeff gets back behind the DM screen. So I think that's pretty fitting. And so since it is Andy's inaugural episode we'll go ahead and let andy go first um okay well i am going to be running the tyranny of dragons campaign starting of course with horde of the dragon queen however i'm not going to set it in forgotten realms it's just going to be a generic setting so i can steal stuff whenever i need to and don't worry about canon because i lose sleep over canon um and um we've had one session so far uh, an introductory session i've got um Two, four, four players at the table, including, of course, Jeff. Um, and uh, so we we uh, started off in a in um in like a, a satellite village of a green Greenvale. Is that what it's called? Greenest. Uh, greenest. Yeah. Greenest. Yes. Yes. Greenest. Uh, we started off in a satellite village that was destroyed by some infighting from the cult of the dragon. So they all headed towards Greenest because they thought it was safer, and of course they found it was under attack by a dragon. <laughs> That's always fun. That's always fun. Um, so can I can I stop you for a second? Sure. So you sure, said you don't, you don't you don't like to deal with canon. So are you setting your game in your own world, or yeah, you don't I, want to I do Forgotten Realms. So yeah, I told the fellows we'd we kind of you know make it up as a group as we go along. You know, I, I tell them, you know, if, if you need some kind of historical background for your character, make it up. <laughs> Just throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of put the guidelines down that, that the world fits kind of with the Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, Dragonlance type of worlds. But I haven't given it a lot of shape. Um, I've said that, I, I've said there's 13, um, 13, um, c- celestial beings. Uh, gods, basically. Uh, however, each one of them goes by hundreds of different names. Okay. Huh. Are you sticking to cities? What are you doing with the bigger cities like Baldur's Gate and, and Waterdeep? Um, those I'll probably change quite a bit since there, there's not a lot from what I remember reading that takes a place in each of those. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll just shave off the um, serial numbers and give them different names. Gotcha, yeah. And, uh, 
that way I don't have to keep looking at maps and reference. Because I, I know Jeff, he's a huge Forgotten Realms guy. And yeah, he'll right, tell me to, right. He'll tell me, you know, just, just not worry about it. But like I said, I lose sleep over cannons. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's why I don't like the Forgotten Realms, because it's got 30 years of canon that I have not kept up with. And so I mm. feel like, you know, and I have a couple of friends who are really big Forgotten Realms fans. They read all the novels and all that stuff, and they're, you know... They would probably be, feel violated if I ran a game in the Forgotten Realms because I just would not, you know, I don't care about the canon, and I, but I don't mm-hmm. want to violate it at the same time, right? I don't want to ruin somebody's fun just because I don't give a crap about canon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, um, I actually tried to run, um, well, actually, I ran a um, Dark Sun campaign in 4E. It's just a, a short mini one when Jeff took a break. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, every time we got done with the session, I was like, I screwed everything up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, are you going to run through the whole? Uh, you going to run through the whole horde of the Dragon Queen, or are you just kind of trying to get them well, to get into something, or what are you? I, do? I'm thinking. Um, at first, it's going to be, you know, as it's written, and and as they develop their characters and we develop the world, I'm not opposed to going completely off of it. Um, and I'm also not opposed to sticking to the story. So either either way is going to work for me. Um, it's nice to have all the encounters there already mathematically computed for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm not an experienced DM. Okay, um, well maybe that's a good question. How how much yeah. experience do you have? You said um, you ran some like the Dark Sun games. Yeah, we we did a 4E thing um, where um you know, every week we got together was like um a, a spot in their life, and then the next week. Or the next time we got together, it'd be five years later, and they'd be higher level. And ah, okay. So, so we we did a one to th- one to thirty like that, but we skipped most of the levels. Right, right. I actually know several people who did that because they felt like, um, you know, it was just would take too long to get all the way through the level range. So. Yeah. And then before that, I hadn't run anything since high school, which um, for you youngins was a long time ago. <laughs> Us youngins. I'm not sure I qualify. Yeah. <laughs> sure don't feel like it. Yeah, no kidding. One of the hardest things I found when, when we were running is, is giving giving life to the NPCs. Okay. Because, um, uh, you know, they, they met some villagers on the way, but they, they became just kind of props that they had to, to guide through, and they all, I don't know, sounded the same in my head. And <laughs> that's one area where I could use a lot of help is uh, giving life to the NPCs. Story-wise... Like like I said, I think um especially we're meeting again tomorrow for our second session, and, and we're at least going to finish the first chapter as it is, and then from there we'll see where it goes. So Mike, do you want to give him some uh, some NPC enlivening advice? NPC enlivening advice, Mike. So I I have a bunch of dirty tricks. I should I should write a book like in dirty NPC tricks. Um, I like to grab characters from any form of fiction and use them as models uh, to start with. So, like, if I have a, you know, a TV show that I'm into at any given time, I'll just grab a bunch of people from there. You know, I've been I've been watching the show Sons of Anarchy recently, and, like, every member of that gang is a perfect, like, bad dude for, you know, whatever whatever group the, the players are running into. Um but probably the biggest one is is if I have some main NPCs and there's a bunch of main NPCs and if you're if you're sticking to you know roughly to what the adventures got, 
um, you know, having Cyanrath and uh, Mondath and Resmir, you can kind of, um, I always like to think like, what are they up to while the PCs are doing what they're doing? Like, what are they, you know, if I'm, if I'm in their shoes right now and the PCs are doing X, you know, what am I up to? Those are two tricks that I, that I really like for NPCs. So one of the things that I do is, um, I have a, um, so I'm, I'm, a I'm sort of, I, I hear this Mike Shea guy, he, he has this thing where he's a lazy DM. Mm, my favorite kind. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of a lazy DM too, but not because I don't want to spend a lot of time or energy on it. Because I've I've run out of time, and um, so my sort of trick is if I'm not if I if I don't know a huge amount about like I, I just haven't developed things a great deal in my mind because I run a very sort of off the cuff kind of game. Like I might have a very slight framework that I'm that I have presented to the to the party and then the players are working within that framework and and often going outside of it um, so what I do when I when I when I just need to sort of jot down something to center myself so that I know how to make an NPC feel alive what I do is the the prep that I do is I have this little four-tiered approach and so I write down on a three by five card four things about the NPC. And here are the four things. I write their name down, so mm. I always have a name for them. And I write a motivation, like what's the thing that drives them? Not their goal, their motivation. Like is this person, are they they're really like a high energy? This is more like a personality motivation kind of thing. Are they really high energy? They're really, you know, they're jumping around. They're doing a lot of things. They're very micromanagey. They want to, you know, whatever. Um, or are they sort of laid back? They tell their minions what to do, and they expect that everyone's going to follow their orders. You know, that's two kind of very different kinds of things. That's their kind of motivation. And then, then their goal. I write their actual goal. Like, what is their? Why are they in this story? What is their thing that they need? Right. And you know, mm-hmm. not every NPC is going to be like the big bad main villain. Some of these are just very mm-hmm. generic kind of. Oh, this person, you know, just wants to raise their family or whatever. Um, and then I write down the name of their major contact. So if something goes wrong in their life, who is the one person they're going to go to for help? That's what I write down. Um, okay. And those four things, and I'll also, if I have a sort of an idea in my mind already, if this actually is a major NPC and not just some kind of generic person I can pull from if they meet someone new, um, then I'll write down sort of, uh, you know, a quirk or, you know, some, some turn of phrase that they always say or something to make them kind of, um, stand out. And so I end up with this stack of five or ten cards, and only about two or three of them are going to really be major NPCs, but the other cards will be the fill-ins. So, for example, if my party is looking up some information or they want to find something out, um, and they decide to go to you know this uh, this arcane library. Well, I wasn't planning on them necessarily going to the arcane library, but instead of saying, "Oh wait, I need 30 minutes to to plan this out and do this," I just grab one of my cards and I shuffle it and I draw it and I say, "Okay, well, here's the main librarian contact," and you know, and then I have some idea and I can actually role play with my players about them going into that arcane library and checking it out. So, and I can do that without even having to actually plan anything other than just sit down and, and you know, spend an hour making those cards. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. 
Because, see, I don't watch TV, so I don't have the um, – like, I think Mike's advice is really great. Like, you know, if, if you read a lot of books or you watch a lot of TV, you can yeah. just pull one of those characters, you know. And, and even if you don't read a lot or, or whatever or, or watch a lot, you can actually pull something that's sort of a normal trope that's sort mm-hmm. of a typical, like, you know, the, you know, whatever. And the stereotype. Usually have a stereotype. And usually players don't really catch on because by the time they start to figure it out, they've already had enough interaction with that person that mm-hmm. it's a diff- it's become a different person in their mind. So. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they figure it out really early and it's fun, though, that way, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That sounds very good. I think I'll try to do that. Uh, other than that, um, I don't. I think, um, Mike, you've ran through this. You're running through this, right? Yep, I am. Yeah, yep. I've okay, actually run so, it for two different groups now. So what? This dragon attacking the castle thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the dragon's there because it's Dungeons and Dragons, and has right. what's called Watsi. They better have a dragon. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, so I'll tell you what worked for both my groups, um, okay. and that was the giving the dragon a clear motive, uh, uh, giving the dragon turning him into a quest NPC. Apparently, or you know, like as soon as he lands, like if he's got something he wants and he thinks the party has a better chance of getting it than him getting it any other way, you know, he might be willing to to negotiate with the PCs rather than just kill them on the spot. Mm-hmm. And for my home group. Um, it was, there's a gem that he wants called the, the, the winter's heart or something like that. And Mon, Mondath has it. Mm-hmm. Um, Frulam Mondath has that gem and is using that gem, which is like, you know, it's maybe it's magical, maybe it's not, but he's the only, you know, the dragon's the only one that can do anything with it. But mm-hmm. Mondath is using that to kind of get the dragon to do this. And the dragon's like, look, I'm pretty sure Mondath is just going to hang on to that thing. You know, but if you kill Mondath and you give me that gem, I'll leave this town alone. Otherwise, in a week, I'm coming back and I'm killing everybody here. Mm-hmm. And that the the group liked that idea, um, and it also meant that they had a chance to like the you know later on the, the the dragon came back in human form and said, "Give me the give me the gem." They killed they killed Mondath and got the gem by this point. And mm-hmm. he said, "Okay, that's your first down payment. You're gonna we're gonna be working a lot together." You know, and it's just this. You know, it's this thread of like, well, you know, it is a blue dragon, and it's an adult blue. Like, it's going to take us a while before we could ever beat him. But in the meantime, I guess you know, I guess we're in debt. Yeah. And uh, I did something similar with the other group that was almost by accident, which was blue dragons. According to the monster manual, blue dragons like to have wizard um, sort of minions. And so he negotiated with the wizard and said, okay, wizard, you know, you're weak now, but one day you're going to be strong and I'm going to do you a favor today so that later you will work with me, you know, and the wizard's like, okay, you know, that's better than dying right now. So, um, you know, that means like that, that dragon can now come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That gives me a couple ideas for that. Then. Yeah. So, so I think yeah, the way kind it's of, written here is like, <laughs> It's pretty loose, yeah, and it's it's one of these, like, I, I'm never a fan of situations where the PCs are put in a spot against an unde- undefeatable foe, and they basically have to grovel until they win. I, it's not quite as bad with the Cyan Wrath fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Lenathon, that's the name of the blue dragon, right? Um, it's not so bad with uh, Cyan Wrath because they kind of win anyway. Like, Cyan Wrath generally beats the crap out of whoever faces them, but... Mm-hmm. 
you know, they save a family in the process, right? And it's and it's it, it's a great way to build Cyanrath up as a as a good villain. It gives a revenge chance to whoever it was that he beat the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that isn't so terrible, but yeah, the dragon itself, you know, I it it just sucks for a bunch of you know, first of all, if you're playing at level one, you know, oh my god, you already feel pretty weak. So yeah. having a blue dragon come and like kick you around for a while kind of sucks too. I, I, I let the kobold kick him around for a while, and then I, I told him that uh, they'll, they'll level up halfway through the greenest here. Yeah, yeah, getting him to level two <laughs> as fast as possible is a really, <laughs> right, good, right. a really good idea. And I started groups at level two, and it worked out. I, I, almost all of them down at least once. Uh, Jess' character actually died. Another one came <laughs> very, very close. <laughs> nice. But I got, I got one PC. He's got... Um, a passive perception of 21 at first level. Wow. So basically, yeah. I can never surprise these guys. <laughs> How do you have a passive perception of 21? I, I, I don't know, but we vetted it at the table, and, and uh, he, really? he got it legit. <laughs> that was the timer going off. So Sam, how do you get a 21 passive perception? I don't know how you would What What class? Yeah, I think it was like a thief or a ranger. I can't remember. Because I think, yeah... I mean, I guess. What, what but... race, I guess, is the question too. Like, where's the bonus? Where are the bonuses coming from? Yeah, I think he was. I think he's a human. I was thinking cleric because of the high wisdom. That. Yeah. So... All right. Well, that was the timer. So Andy's time is up. That was a great inaugural conversation. Mike Shea. That was fifteen well, minutes, I... by the way. I said ten before, but it was fifteen. Uh, so I have been running uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen as well. Uh, I've been running it for two different groups. I had to take the last week off because I have a stupid cold, which means I may occasionally go into coughing fits. If I do, I will mute. So if there are these pauses, you'll know why. Um, We have gotten through chapters one, two, and three. So they got through the dragon hatchery. They got through the bandit camp. And then you get to chapter four. And chapter four is nothing like chapters one, two, and three. It is... It's very. Awesome. It's my favorite chapter. Anyway, I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. Um, and I don't know what I want exactly, but I know I'm not getting it here. So my my biggest problem is that, and 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 so far the only part of it that I've really run has been getting from the Dragon Hatchery to Baldur's Gate, which is like a two week journey, and in the book nothing happens. Uh, it is, and I've heard, I guess Morris from N-World wrote about this as well and said that he fell into the trap of like an hour long narrative of like, you know, and it's just, it's so easy to do that because there's nothing here about what the players do. What do the PCs do? And there's some stuff like you go and you meet with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Onthar Froome and he like puts you through a bunch of challenges and, and, you know, the group that I had, they, they met him and, and he liked, re- liked wrestling. He liked any kind of wrestling, whether it was arm wrestling, physical wrestling, or thumb wrestling. And so, you know, he, he got in all these sort of exchanges and that was kind of fun. And the group, it was slapsticky and the group enjoyed it. Um, but there's this long travel of, you know, you go from the dragon hatchery to greenest to, um, or, uh, what's it called? Uh, the name, uh, Eltruel to Baldur's Gate. And, you know, in the book, it takes up three pages. Um, and there's not an encounter in it. 
there's not a you know there's not really any sort of exploration that goes on it's you know you go and you meet people and they tell you how to get to the next step uh so i had a lot of trouble with this and i ended up changing it quite a bit um i put a a whole sequence where they ran into one of the carts. So the the end of the dragon hatchery, actually before the dragon hatchery, the cult of the dragon that was near or, uh, near Greenest all takes off, and they take off on different carts that are carrying portions of the treasure. So I had one of those carts captured, or one of those carts uh, broke down in the woods, and the party came upon it, and all the dragon cult people had changed their appearance and made themselves look like merchants and stuff. And there was this kind of interesting NPC interaction where they were dealing with them, and the dragon cult wasn't sure who these people were, and the PCs weren't sure who the dragon cult was. And they went back and forth until eventually, like, the dragon cult's like, we're, we're going to have to murder these people because they, they figured they figured something out, and we can't let them know, so we're going to have to murder them. So they tried to ambush the party when the party was camping nearby, and, uh, you know, they killed them all, and then they got a note. And the note said, you know, the note was written, it's, it's a little ham-fisted, but the note was written by... Um, Resmir saying, we're splitting up all the carts, everybody's going in different directions, make your way to Baldur's Gate and meet this guy there. And that way the PCs got a clue on their own without having some other NPC tell them where to go that gave them something to investigate. And then, you know, my main thing was then they have to get back to Greenest. Uh, the book says that uh, Erlanthar, who's the monk that they've been uh, working with is gone and has gone to meet Unthar, Unthar Froom in Elturel. And I had him still in Greenest because I think that he is the strongest motivation to tell the party, hey, the cult of the dragon is up to some really, really bad stuff. And we really need you to come with us. You know, we really need you to go on this. Because if not, it's that dip, you know, Night Hill. And Night Hill's like, yeah, your guy went to Elturel. I don't know what he's up to. And then the party's like, well, shit, okay, I got a bunch of other things I can go do. Mm-hmm. So there's I, no I, clear I, 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 I thought when I was reading that that it was weird that they would have Erlenthar go away. Yeah. Like, I understood, so, like, the, it gave a sentence of explanation, and I was like, yeah, but my parent, my players aren't going to trust anybody else. Like, right, right. Erland, and, yeah. and if you think about it, like, he's a harper, and he's the guy that's like, look, I don't know what they're up to, but it's the cult of the dragon. And you, you, we need, really need you to do this because it's a, you know, when it comes down to it, this is a pretty, pretty railroady adventure. So that's the motivation, right? Like, you know, you have one quest NPC, and he's telling you you got to go here. So I, I, I hand waved the trip from Greenest to uh, uh, Elturel as just, you know, you went and did some stuff. I think I might have done some thirteenth age mon- montage, like. Say something that happened along the way. You know, what was interesting that happened along the way? What did you discover along the way? Um, and then they got to El Terrell and they had a chance to join the uh, Order of the, whatever the, Order of the Gauntlet, whatever that faction is. Um, yeah, Order of the Gauntlet. Order of the Gauntlet. And then, and then they go out on the river and they get a boat. And my only mistake, and this is, you guys were talking about the, the lore of Forgotten Realms and stuff like that. They're on the Chionthar River. And I'm thinking, oh, it's a river. Like, it's like 20 feet wide or 30 feet wide, right? Like, it's not that big. Well, no. You know, and then what's funny is it wasn't until I looked at the map of Baldur's Gate. And I'm like, okay, so there's, like, the ocean. Where's the river that's leading into the ocean? And then I was like, oh, that's not an ocean. That is the river, and it's huge, right? It's huge. It's, like, four times bigger than the Mississippi. So, like, well, they're on a raft. Like, so, so, you know, I just said, well, it got got wider, you know. (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, so I had them on a raft that uh, um, Elturel, or that Elturel, that uh, Ontharfroom gave them that said, go to Baldur's Gate. Here's my contact in Baldur's Gate. This guy can help you out. And then the party said, yeah, but we also want to investigate this note that we got and go find out what's going on there. So they traveled along the river, and then I had a fun encounter that I threw in. And again, this is to kind of break up the narrative. Uh, where there's an ogre on a big stone, ancient stone bridge, like a big dwarven stone bridge that's over, over the river. And he's got this like half rotten carcass that's hanging from a rope underneath the bridge. And he says like, Hey, if you want to get under my bridge, you know, you got to pay me a big toll. And the toll's a lot. And if they refuse, which they almost always do, then he has more ogre friends that are off on the coast, depending on the number of PCs. And he throws the carcass, which breaks up on the raft and then alligators come out crocodiles come out and oh. chew on the raft to eat the carcass and anybody else and that was kind of a fun encounter the raft is going downstream people have a lot of trouble getting off the raft without getting eaten by crocodiles they have to go kill the ogres you know and it's a fun thing that's not necessarily part of the story but it broke up this giant trip that they take from you know hell 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 to high water uh, so then they get to Baldur's Gate, and I had played the uh, Murder in Baldur's Gate adventure previously, and I said, like, you know, first of all, the production value on that adventure is great. So I whipped out that big Baldur's Gate map and the big Baldur's Gate, you know, all the stuff that we had, and this was a good chance for me to tell the players what had happened in Baldur's Gate since their last adventure that was there. Um, you know, so they got to hear about the corruption and a lot of it was BS, right? A lot of it was, right. well, we can't say that one of the four, four Dukes had gone crazy mm-hmm. and tried to kill people. So we said that he was killed trying to save the city and the, and the players are like, I don't think that's what happened. And they're like, well, it's cause you know, right. so that's like, what the news said, but that's what the news <laughs> says. Right. Right. Baldur's Gate Fox news says that this guy is you know, <laughs> a good guy. So, um, yeah, so they had, like, statues to people that the party's like, that guy's a jerk, you know? Didn't he turn into the son of Baal or something? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it was a fun chance for them to spend some time at Baldur's Gate. Um, I, I know Baldur's Gate now pretty well. A, I played the game recently, and uh, we had the adventure there, so I know the city. And I wanted them to have a chance to do a little bit in Baldur's Gate. Not a lot, because they already spent a whole adventure there. But... You know, most of it was in the outer city, um, and I and I kind of said a few things. Like I said that there was a safe house that Resmir had stayed in while he was there. That's in the noble side, in in upper the upper city. And if the party wanted to, they could try to go investigate where that was and which noble was corrupt by the cult of the dragon. Um, they never ended up biting on that thread. Instead, they went to well, one guy went over to the bad guys' uh, outfitters, which is the 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 thing that was on the note. And found out that, yeah, it's these bunch of bad dudes. And he tried to bluff his way past him to say, yeah, I'm a member of the Cult of the Dragon, but I lost my cart. And I'm, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And they're like, you don't, you know. Oh, and he paid them. He said, like, here, you know, here's some of the money that I had. And, well, and that clued him in, like, wait a minute. The cult never pays us. Like, they already did. And they're gold. So the fact that you gave us gold clued me in that you're not who you say you are. And that was also a little, you know, I, I kind of hosed him a little bit. He learned a lot. The, the the player in the PC learned a lot. But then he went back to the good guy, and they're getting ready to get on a caravan. They actually created a caravan. They didn't join one. So they made one and then managed to get the cult to join it. And that was the point where the guy from the other outfitters, the evil, you know, the cult mercenary guy, attacked them in the street and said, you're not who you say you are, and we're going to kick your ass. And that way they had a nice fight in Baldur's Gate. Um and that's where that one ended. Uh, and now they've got this caravan and they're heading forth. And the, the 
you know, I'm going to do some, what, what is, maybe you guys know this. There's a term for, in movie making where you start a movie right in the middle of the action. In media What's that res. called? In media res. So I'm, I'm going to be doing that in the next segment. Um, so I'm going to do it in media res where it's going to start like two weeks into the journey. And now they already know everybody. They already know all the other people that are in the cart. They don't have to meet them. And they've already had a couple things that have occurred that will, you know, we'll just hand wave. We'll say like, well, you know, yeah, it was like back a week ago when you had to fight those pain in the ass spiders or whatever. And this one will be um, hobgoblins. And the, the nice thing is I, I have a nice, I'm, you know, I'm breaking away again from the adventure to have like hobgoblins attack the caravan. They manage to steal something and they run away with the stuff and take it to their hideout. And then the group gets to go to the hideout. And the hideout is all my brand new cavern dwarven forge stuff that I got. Oh, like nice. Anyway, so I wanted to use it, so I built a nice dungeon, and I'm going to fill it with hobgoblins and, and stuff. And, you know, they'll have a nice thing there. Um, and then I have a bunch of ideas about who I want to have on the caravan. One of them is going to be a vampire, you know? And it's going to be like the, uh, uh, what's uh, the dude? Rein- Reinfeld, right? Reinfeld was uh, Dracula's dude. And so there's going to be like a Reinfeld character who's like this creepy guy that hangs out by one of the carts, and he runs the cart, and it's filled with roots and dirt and stuff. That he says, like, look, I'm, I'm carrying night soil from Um all the way to Waterdeep. And, like, it's the best growing night soil ever. And they're like, you're carrying an entire cartload of, of shit? And he's like, yeah, but it's really good and expensive. And don't don't go near it and don't, don't touch it. Well, and meanwhile, like, every time they get attacked, the enemies will never go near it. Right? right? Like, they, they don't like what's there. And any characters in the group are going to be like, every time you look at that thing, your skin crawls. Right. Well, the reason why is that he's carting his master all the way from um to Waterdeep, and his master's a vampire. So if they screw with it, it's going to be an actual, honest to god, full on vampire. Right. And you know, again, I don't want to put them in a situation where they're facing a guy they can't beat. But sometimes the world is a nasty place. Yeah. So I'm not sure how well that's going to work out. We'll see. Um, but I think it'll be fun to kind of say like you've now been on the cart for two weeks, and and here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, and then so I'm running two groups, and it's kind of also interesting to balance the two groups. For example, Fulam Mondath got away from one group, and she was scalded by acid from the trap that's in the dragon hatchery. Mm-hmm. So now she's got like this mask that she wears to cover her burned, you know, her burned face. And now she's going to be like dealing with the party. She's hunting them down, and you know, in the other group, she's dead. So <laughs> it's like, it's hard to, hard to remember like what the threads are. And sometimes I'll sit there and I'll be like, is this the group that picked up the thing for Lendathon or is that the other group? Like that was the other group. So that's hard to do. Am I still on time? You have 50 seconds left. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's great fun. I like the adventure. Now that I have the other part, now that I have Rise of Tiamat, which I guess we're going to review sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, now that I've rise to Tiamat, I can see the whole picture. And when I see the whole picture, I can get an idea of, okay, where am I going to modify stuff? But for me so far, I think the the journey on the carts are pretty good. Um, but getting, getting fricking to Baldur's Gate, you know, I had to basically do all that myself. And I wrote, yeah. I, I have an article that I post about what to do in between. Um, yeah, that was the, the, the part the, I was saying was my favorite. I like the part with the carts, chapter four, where you're – Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's fine too, that's, except, except the premise is always yeah. that you're undercover. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what if you're not? What if they're like, screw them, we're just going to kill those Cult of the Dragon people. Well, we'll figure it out I, when we get the water. That's what my party would do. Okay, we're going to slaughter as many people right. as we have to because right. – oh, there's the right. arm. So. Yeah, because that's – you know, it's more expedient and we're – you know. 
we're pragmatists. Yeah. We're just going to kill them well, all. And, you, know? you know, so. Yeah, and I think that's what my party is going to do, too. Like they'll Although still I, have I've, to got get... added, I've got Go the ahead. added bonus of having Jeff having read the whole thing. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no. And that's not, you know, I mean, that's But you so could bad. totally screw with him, though. <laughs> yeah. You could, and, you and he's pretty good at something like, that he'll, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he's pretty good at place. separating that out. I've been running this as the counters adventure so far, and like I was sick last Saturday, last Sunday, so one of the players ran the part, ran the next section, mm-hmm. and now he's coming back to be a player again. And he had to email me, like, here's all the things that happened. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because I don't, like, I don't know where the hell they're starting off. Um, so it's, it's good fun. Uh, it's funny that this chapter, chapter four, is like, I forget what it is, it's a two-month journey. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, really like long. And then chapter miles or five, hundred miles or something really ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Somebody said they ran chapter five in like forty-five minutes. Yeah. You know, like the whole next chapter is so short. They're like, yeah, as soon as they figure out this clue, they're ready to go into chapter six. That's the roadhouse or something, right? Yeah, that's the roadhouse, and that looks yeah, like it'd be pretty weird. Then after that, it looks like dungeon dungeon crawling for the most part, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, chapter five anyway. looks like it can go pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to start my timer here for 15 minutes. Um, so my 5e game has actually been on hiatus for a while. We have another session scheduled, though, for early next month. So, uh, And then we've got like three in a row. So that'll be we're going to catch up real fast because we normally only play about once every three weeks anyway. Um, but in the meantime, my session game has been, uh, has been run, uh, running along pretty smoothly. And um, if you listened to the last episode... Then you learned that my my party my th- this is the evil game. So the, the all the players right. are all the, all the all the PCs are evil, um, and they are in this monastery. And their job is to find the uh, leader of this paladin order and and kill her and take her take proof that she is dead back to their boss basically and retake the temple in the name of this evil god who whose name is Kusti and. Um, so they go through and they uh, meet, encounter these various things, and they have a lot of fun going through this dungeon. And uh, they take much longer than I uh, had anticipated. Um, but in any case, they finally make it to uh, this one section where it's a portal, and um, they solve a couple of riddles, and they they figure out how to get this thing to open, and they go up into this special room, and it's it's sort of this uh, ceremonial tomb. For, for an ancient hero that was the founder of this order of paladins and yada 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 and they meet uh, they 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 um because they're completely evil they do a bunch of bad stuff and they anger a guardian of the tomb and that guardian of the tomb happens to be an air elemental uh, an elder air, air elemental um, who basically kicks their butt and sweeps them away to an unknown place he basically pops them to a a pocket dimension Um, and they they find themselves in a room sitting at a table with a skeleton who is dealing out cards from the deck of many things uh oh Um, and uh, they um, so the thing is that this this game that the players kind of said, oh, we want to we want to be evil and we want to just have some wacky stuff and we want to like we want to do all kinds of different things and um, so I'm sort of accommodating them, but I'm also sort of setting up the world because the the world um, has had some weird, really horrible stuff go on for a long time and. Uh, 
they are playing in a time period where um, there's a lot of corruption, both magically and with just the civilized races. And so uh, there's there's all sorts of like planar incursions going on, and they they hadn't really caught on to that very much yet because they're not a high enough level. But um, this is kind of part of that. It's kind of setting it up. And so they the the skeleton uh, asks them how many cards they would like, and they deal out cards, and different things happen. And one of the players got sucked off to the void, so his soul's in the void. He's gonna, that player's going to have to make a new PC. Um, Another player was attacked by death and had to fight death, and he died, and he was dead permanently, so he's going to have to make a new PC. Um, so, uh, although, <laughs> that I sound so flippant when I say it like that, but really, I mean, they knew going in that this could happen, and they were not required to draw any cards. And uh, one of them drew a card and got four wishes, so, you know, they, there's, there's some balancing there. Um, and the one of the wishes he used to bring back um, dead player... And another wish he he used to um, to because they weren't done taking the temple, so he thought, oh, he said, this is perfect. I'm going to I'm going to use this wish to 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 make sure that we take the temple. So he said, I want to, I you know, I wish that we we take we take the temple in the name of Kusti under my orders, and he used his character's name and all that. So so he you know he thought he was going to be like this you know he was going to be elevated to this lordly kind of person who who worked in the name of the evil god Kusti. He wasn't very specific about which temple that he was wishing that they took, so so that really set them up to be totally screwed by his own wish, which is sort of the traditional um, you know thing that a DM does when the player has a wish and uses it unwisely. Um, yeah. And uh, so that was so then that game ended briefly after that. They uh, they haven't figured out where they are or how to get out of there. But at the end of the of the deck of the card game, basically at the at the end after the skeleton was done drawing the cards. Um, which was really fun, by the way, because I gave him a really like strange, weird voice, and he was very friendly, and he introduced himself, and he asked how many cards they would like, and it was just this very sort of gentlemanly, formal, I'm going to deal you these cards, and then they'd get totally screwed because they got these horrible cards. Uh, and everybody was laughing. It was a great time. And then right at the end, when they were done, he you know snapped his fingers, well, his bones, and popped them away from his dimension because they no longer belonged in his dimension, and found themselves at the uh, entrance to what actually is a gate that could take them into a really bad place, or they could retreat and not have to go into that really bad place. And that was the end of that session. Um, and then a couple of players had to beg off of the next session, which was last weekend, so uh, I ran a one-shot of other characters at much higher level, who are taking the temple. So they're fulfilling the wish that the other character made in the other game, except to take to take the temple that they're taking, which isn't the one that he wanted them to take, they have to be 12th level. So I basically, we played a really fun high-level game. I had them all make characters with about 700,000 experience points, which is between 10th and 12th level in 2nd edition D&D. And uh, I ran them through the beginning uh, first floor of uh, Morden Kanan's Fantastic Adventure, which is an old, you know, first edition D and D module with all kinds of funky stuff. And they're, um, you know, they had lots of riddles to solve, and uh, they had to fight these little wooden soldier guys. And their paladin got hit with. Uh, with the spear of the wooden soldier, and he started turning into wood himself. He started turning into a tree, and then that same poor paladin. 
ended up running into a, a, a creature who was peddling supposedly magical goods, and of course they were all cursed, and he put on a bunch of them, and he ended up craving raw meat, and uh, ended up tur- turning lawful evil, and just all this horrible stuff happening, and, and all this. And then they went and fought an iron golem, and um, ended up trying to figure out how in the heck they're going to damage this iron golem. But the reason it was really fun is because here they are in their 12th level PCs, or ten- between 10th and 12th level, and they have no clue what to do. <laughs> They're just kind of like, we don't even know how to play high-level characters. So it was it was a lot of fun just trying to figure out what the heck they're doing because it's been a long time since I played high-level second edition, like twenty years or so. Mm-hmm. So it it was it was a lot of fun. But now the problem I have is so that's sort of the side game. So there that's a different set of characters taking the temple that the guy had basically prophesied when he wished for it, and um, so now I've got to figure out where I'm going to take the rest of the of the group because now they're sitting in front of a planar hole and they can basically go anywhere and uh they really want a wacky weird game and i'm giving it to them but now i'm like okay now i have to do something hmm. weird and wacky so suggestions hit me with how how well it's not too weird and wacky but i've always loved it which is um uh oh man what's the name of the city that's the big donut city oh, oh in i know Planar setting, sigil. Um, sigil, yeah. yeah. Sigil's not that wacky, but it's out there, and it's you know I, I ran a lot of adventures in Sigil and 4E and loved it um, because it's also the city of doors, so it right. gives you all sorts of access to all sorts of other things too, uh, and it's still it's still steeped in good D and D stuff. It's not like all of a sudden you're in Gamma World. Yeah. The problem, um, is, the problem is they're only fourth and fifth level. Yeah, but I think that could be fun, right? Like, I mean, if, if they step in, they step in, yeah. right? Like, and it, it's—I don't think Sigil's necessarily like all twentieth-level archmages no, no, no. walking around. No, it's not. But in fact, the plane of what is the Well of Souls or what is it? Well, of, I can't remember. Jeez, I even reviewed it for the Tome Show. How bad is that? Um, well of Worlds. God, I couldn't. Well of Worlds mm. actually has some lower level. Uh, yeah, so I think there's a lot you could do there, but still have some wacky stuff, right? Like you could have a lot of, you know, I don't know. And it, it gives them this chance of like, you know, having to go to a city and work with thieves guilds, and then the thieves guilds are like, yeah, but you got to go through this door, and the door is to like Ark, you know, Archon, you know, some yeah, strange right. world, and like, oh, yeah. oh my god. Go steal this thing from this solar and come back, right. you know, and don't get shot with an arrow of slaying on your way. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I don't know. I, I would I, I would love to go back to Sigil again. You know, I would, I'd love to see more stuff in Sigil. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of good, I think some of the old 4E stuff has, I'm sure there's tons of stuff with Sigil. Now with D&D Classics, there's a ton of stuff with Sigil. But well, it's not, that's not crazy wacky, though. Stuff. Yeah, it's not wacky. It's more oh, they, they, demonic and and yeah, but it's got that kind of cool like when you look up when you look up you see the other part of the city because it's all inside a big donut. Yeah, yeah. The, the PCs step through the gate right under the deck of a spelljammer ship. Full of <laughs> yeah, right. The other, it's the other one I was thinking. Yeah. The hippo guys spelljammer. in the middle of a battle. <laughs> I thought of that, but I don't want to give them a ship. <laughs> Because the first no. thing my players will do will say, okay, we're taking over the ship. We've got a ship. Awesome. <laughs> That's what they would do. Well, there's ways to keep that from happening. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm batting things around. I could do that. I could, could, uh, one of the doors could lead to a ship. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. right. Um, aren't those, uh, was it the Morgrins or whatever? Aren't those, aren't those kind of wacky weird? They went to the home world of those guys? Those shape guys? Oh, the Modrons? The Modrons, yeah. yeah. I call them Madrones. A lot mm. of people call them Modrons. I, ca- I call them weird shape guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's, yeah, I think there's a whole, like, Madrone supplement book probably for 2e interesting yeah so so that's what you know it's really funny because i um it's been a long time like i said since i had really played 2e and i'm basically it's just like kind of like an anything goes campaign and we're just having fun with it i'm just really throwing stuff at them and they're throwing stuff right back at me so it's pretty fun i i i in my other games, I tend to run a more structured campaign, and while I, like I said, I'm still an off-the-cuff kind of DM, but I have a more structured framework in my head from the beginning, and I know sort of what the parameters of the main storyline are, and even though they might get far off the mark, I can always sort of push them back towards the mark if if they need to be, you know? Mm-hmm. But this game, I'm just sort of... I really, I just show up and I'm like, okay, what are you guys doing now? You know, and they run with it and it's a lot of fun, but it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's very interesting. I know it's kind of mm-hmm. scary in a way, you know, and, uh, yeah. it's been a well, long and, time since I've really ran a you can do anything game. This is the evil group or not the this evil group? This is the evil group, yeah. Yeah, so then, and again, kind of a nice thing, the only way to make an evil group really work was when you put them in a place that's worse than they are. Right, right. Um, and, and Sigil could easily be that, right? Sigil could be just like, look, because they have like, what are those? Who the, the, who's the, the, the woman that runs Sigil, the queen? The Lady of Pain. The Lady of Pain, right? And she's got those guys that walk around and just, you know, and no one knows, they, they are the justice of the city, but nobody really knows what the laws are. Right. Ah. You know, so much fun. And and you could be evil there all day long, you know, and you're not going to hurt anything. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is the, you know, this is the group when, okay, we I, we played through a sort of, uh, speaking of that, uh, the Baldur's Gate adventure you were talking about earlier. Yeah. This group played through my sort of bastardized version of that. I took that and I moved it into one of the pillars in my, in my homebrew world, you know. Uh, with this is wasn't the evil party; it was a different party. We were playing basic D and D, but I basically used the 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 layout and plan of what happens in that Baldur's Gate murder, Baldur's Gate adventure. The, you know, the whole right. uh, spiraling of the town down into chaos. I did that right. sort of thing. Right. Um, and the, you know, this group, the first thing they wanted to do: okay, well, we're going to stay in town and we're going to take over the city. Yeah. Figure out who we're gonna, who we need to know to be able. We're to all gonna be the Dukes. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna take over the city, and that was the whole. You know, they didn't go out of that town the whole that whole six or eight month campaign. They never left town except one time right at the end, mm-hmm. um, because they, they, they were just like, oh, okay, cool, it's a city intrigue adventure, awesome, and they ended up trying to take over the town. They impersonated the regent and did all kinds of crazy shit. So that's the group that... (laughs) So if I don't put them in a place that's worse than they are, they'll immediately try to take over everything. That's just Mm -hmm. how they work. (laughs) You you could go um, all uh, Alice in Wonderland on them. Stick Mm. them in a place where... where Physics is weird. (laughs) Physics is weird, but, um, you know, the the world is kind of... Is kind of evil, but it's in a way that just doesn't make sense to them, mm-hmm. so that they can't 
they they wouldn't right. know where to start they don't know to, the rules, to take over so they the, yeah yeah they can't manipulate the rules yeah 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 it's interesting yeah it's a good idea too oh and there's my timer hey look at that all right well okay. hey we're pretty good see we always go over when Jeff hosts <laughs> it can be long winded at times. <laughs> Oh, are you kidding? Get me talking. I can talk for like hours and hours. That's, that's why we have a clock. I know. That's exactly, that's exactly why we have a timer. So. All right. Well, uh, Andy, since it's your first time on the show, do you want to tell the listeners where you can be found on the Internet? Uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter at A-W-M-Y-H-R, A-W-M-I-R. Um, I hang out a few other places with the same handle, but that's pretty much the best place to find me. Awesome. A-W-M-Y-H-R. Thank you for listening again, and we hope you enjoy the show, although I feel like we just sit around talking about our games and all that. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions or things you like, things you don't like, let us know. You can email us at... The Tome Show Ooh, at... Ooh, email. Email.